0: Hello and welcome to the Book Nook. Come on in and have yourself a seat. If you're new to the Book Nook, know that this is not a new show or new podcast. It is just another branch of the Faith and More podcast. So what I do here in the Book Nook is we sit down once a month and we just chat. I share with you updates on things that are going on with me personally as far as studies and practices and things of that nature. I also share some updates about the show that you normally wouldn't hear in a regular show, as well as you know some secrets that we share in the Book Nook that if you don't listen to it, you won't know. And then when you hear it in the show, you're going to be surprised. I also share information on books that I have read and studied, uh, books that I recommend, uh, prayers, incense, um, all kinds of things like that, meditations, music, and all sorts of things. So if you're new to the Book Nook, welcome and thank you for stopping by. I sincerely hope and pray you find everything you're looking for here in the Book Nook and more as well as everything you're looking for and more in a podcast with our entire Faith and More podcast. And if you're returning to the Book Nook and to the Faith and More podcast, infinite thanks and blessings and love to each and every one of you. I cannot thank you all enough uh, for your love and your support and for continuing to come back and listen and enjoy the show. And I so hope and pray with all that I am and all that I ever will be that this show is helpful to you at some level or levels. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope and pray you all are well and blessed. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. So what are we going to be talking about? This first book nook of the new year 2023. How about anointing? How to make your own anointing oil and how to use it? Last month, we talked and learned about how to make our own holy water. And back in June of last year, we in Book Nook as well, we learned about how to bless and smudge our homes. So why not learn about anointing? So we'll be learning about that today as well as updates on Uh, What's going on with me, Uh, for anyone that's interested in it, got some uh, not-so-good news to share with regard to holy orders, a.k.a. uh, priestly ordination. Uh, So stay tuned, we'll share that near the end of the show. So before we begin with anointing, making your own anointing oil and all that, I guess we should go over the rules. (laughs) Yes, there, there are rules, um, if, especially if you're Roman Catholic, there are rules. Well, the Roman Catholic rules go as um, follows. You're not permitted to do any anointing of anyone or anything uh, unless you're a priest or bishop. Now, that is in the Catechism, Second Edition, Part 2, um, celebration of the Christian Mystery, Section 2, The Seven Sacraments of the Church, Chapter 2, The Sacraments of Healing, Article 5, The Anointing of the Sick, Numbers 1499-1532, through 1532 for those with your catechism that are playing at home. <laughs> I'm not making light of a lot of it, but it's just rules. The rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. So anyway... In this section of the Catechism, it talks about the anointing of the sick, what it is, what it means, why, and who can do it, okay? Uh, But if you go further down in the Catechism, which it's actually in this section, um, actually the last part, like around 1530, 1531, and 1532, there is something called the Viaticum, V-I-A-T-I-C-U-M, which is uh, also known as food for the journey. It's when the Eucharist is offered to someone at the end of their life. And the Catechism says that in a case of an emergency, if there is not a priest or bishop around, which is probably most of the time, um, you, as a layperson, can offer that sacrament to the person who is passing. So that makes me wonder if you, me, everyone can do this uh, sacrament at such a pinnacle point in someone's life the end of their life why can't you do anointing of the sick or anointing or blessing people with oil why i I just don't i don't know i did not write the rules i did not amend the rules i did not amend 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 i could go on forever amend those rules uh so all i can do is convey to you what is in the catechism because to me it's very important that you know your faith and that you know the rules of said faith so for those who listen who are roman catholic um, according to your tradition, you are not permitted to do an anointing of the sick. But use your own discretion. I don't want anyone to go against their faith. Please, if you have a great uh, priest and parish and church, schedule some time with your priest and ask about this. Um, maybe he can give you permission to do it. I, I don't know. It's It's worth asking. But anyway, what I'm getting into is in section 1268 of the same catechism. That's 1268. I'll have links to all this in the show notes, folks, so don't have to worry about writing it down. It says this, the baptized have become living stones to be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy, wait for it, priesthood. By baptism, they, those who are baptized, share in the priesthood of Christ. It actually uses that word, priesthood, in his prophetic and royal mission. They are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Again, that word, holy nation, God's own people, that they may declare the wonderful deeds of him, who called them out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Baptism gives a share in the common, that word again, priesthood of all believers. Now, there's many ways you can translate this, and there's many ways it it is translated. Depending on what it's needed for or used for, it depends on the translation you'll get. But most will translate this as it gives you the authority of priesthood through baptism to uh, share the good news, share the word of the divine, share the word of God, to a.k.a. preach to non-believers, okay? But why would it use that specific word, priesthood, okay? Okay. In the beginning of my um, seminary studies, part of the studies that Father Mike Cantor had me do was over the sacraments. And I learned so much. Now, remember, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. There was so much I did not know about the sacraments as a Roman Catholic raised as a Roman Catholic, in a Roman Catholic church, going to what they call CCD classes, which are Sunday school classes for uh, the children who do not attend the Catholic school have to go to these Sunday school lessons um, to supplement their education. But still, I didn't learn. I didn't learn what exactly... The sacraments are and what the sacraments mean. And we're going to be doing a show not too far down the line here on the sacraments because I think it's really important. Even if you're not Christian, it's still going to be very interesting information, um, something that you might want to add to your faith, uh, especially those of nature faiths, those who are uh, witches, those who are of the craft, those who are of other faiths, who are eclectic in their faith. Who might want to add sacraments to their way uh, or rituals. It's a great idea. And we'll be getting into that, like I said, in a show in the not so distant future. So again, you know, it specifically says here priesthood. So anyone who is baptized and it doesn't specify, I mean, this is in the catechism, so I would imagine it goes exclusively for Roman Catholics, but Baptism is baptism, regardless if you're Protestant, if you're Catholic, if you're old Catholic, if you're independent Catholic, if you're whatever. At least to me, again, please feel free to, and I urge you to consult your uh, pastor, minister, priest, bishop, um, whomever you uh, meet with to get the good news from. Ask them. Uh, for their take on this. But I don't see what the big issue is. I, I would think, and as we'll see, it's it's something that I feel it's really important for people to know how to do and to be able to do it. Because, I mean, if we all have that priesthood, we all have the divine in us, and we the divine is us and we are it, um, you know, there's power in prayer. There's healing in prayer and a big part of anointing is healing helping to heal people so why again please consult your higher authority in your church or or whatever uh, but why wouldn't you not be able to do this i don't know i'm i'm scratching my head and again i've presented the information as best I can, as i can present it it's up to you to investigate it further, which I always greatly and strongly urge everyone don't take my word for anything. Um, If I say something that interests you, please feel free to do a deep dive and personal study on your own and meet with your congregation, meet with your pastor, your priest, your minister, um, your high priestess, whomever, and and discuss these things with them further. Because I, I do not want anyone to go against their faith and in you know, get admonished for it or, you know, reprimanded for it. And then, you know, just say, (laughs) Reverend Angel said, do it. No, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying, look into it further before you do it. But I don't see the issue, but that's just me personally. I know. So like, shut up and get with it already. (laughs) I know, folks. I'm getting to it. Okay. So this article is by Crystal Carlet of Christian Lifestyle um, Faith and is a faith based wellness group. Uh, She has a blog that she put this on. And yes, I'll definitely have a link to it in the uh, show notes and description. It's called how to make your own anointing oil at home. It's an anointing recipe. So she says, looking for how to make your own anointing oil at home? Then you've come to the right place. This anointing oil recipe is easy, lasts for a while, and is biblically inspired. In this article, I'll cover four things for you. The five ingredients in the anointing oil, a prayer to consecrate the anointing oil, how to use your holy oil at home, and how to anoint yourself with oil holy oil. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my instructions on how to do a house blessing prayer. It is a complete guide with Bible verses, commonly answered questions, and specific prayer points. So if you go to the link to this in the show notes, there's a link to that in that um, for her house blessing and prayer, if you want to do that. But like I said, we did this back in uh When when did we do the house blessing, everyone? Back in June, right, right. (laughs) Okay. So she says, I made this exact anointing oil myself a while ago, and I still have it sitting on my altar. I only use it for healings and anointing myself or others for prayer. This is very important. I'll be doing an article soon on the essentials of a prayer room and how to place an altar in your home. Be sure to keep a lookout for that. If you are interested, again, you can find that with this link as well. I'm glad that you're here. Let's get into how to make your own anointing oil at home. Happy healing. This article is all about how to make your own anointing oil at home, an anointing oil recipe. So she continues by saying, Below are the five ingredients you'll need to make your own anointing oil at home, along with the biblical scripture reference. So, This is going strictly by the Bible. For those of you who are hardcore um, and really want the authentic anointing oil that's like actually mentioned in the Bible, this is it. This is the recipe for it, which is, I think, is awesome. But for those of you who are, you know, not Catholic or uh, b- biblical based more of your nature faiths your um, your witches, your Wiccans, your uh, priests and priestess, and you know pretty much Jewish faith i don't I know they use anointing oil, but I believe theirs is different. Uh, Muslims I know you have yours but I'm sure it's different than this. Feel free to make it as you want and I'll share my own version of it uh, towards the end here. So she says four of your ingredients will be essential oils, and you'll want to make sure you use a reputable company. Check out my doTERRA, D-O-T-E-R-R-A, essential oils review and why I've used them for the past four years. So now she's plugging this (laughs) doTERRA company, but you can get them from anywhere, folks. Um, So you need myrrh, essential oil. Or as I used to say in uh, kindergarten, mirth. (laughs) Mom will remember that one, I hope. Um, So myrrh essential oil, cinnamon essential oil. So she's saying you need 24 drops of myrrh oil, 12 drops of cinnamon oil. Uh, You can substitute the oil for actual cinnamon sticks that will be left in the oil mixture. Uh, Fragrant cane also known as calamus oil c-a-l-a-m-u-s again link in the description folks for all this information Um, you'll need 12 drops of that she says this is not easy to find you can uh, substitute frankincense oil lemongrass cbd or clove essential oil she said she used clove in hers Uh, cassia essential oil 24 drops of cassia essential oil note Or excuse me, not to be confused with cinnamon oil. Olive oil, four to eight ounces, depending on how much you want to make. Use organic, cold-pressed, extra virgin olive oil. This will be your carrier oil. So She says you'll also need a glass jar, a vial, a bottle with a top to keep your anointing oil recipe in. Below, She has a picture of one that she used, like a mason-type jar. Uh, These ingredients come from Exodus 30, 22 through 24, a recipe given to Moses straight from God. Wow. So the anointing oil biblical reference says um, in Exodus 30, 22, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following Fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant calamus, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hen, H-I-N, of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. So she says, to be clear, the recipe found in the Bible above was designated to make a lot. And she's got that all in bold caps, a lot of anointing oil, probably for hundreds of people. She says, for instance, 500 shekels of myrrh equals 12 pounds. 250 shekels of cinnamon equals six pounds. 250 shekels of calamus equals six pounds. 500 Shekels of cassia equals 12 pounds and a hen of olive oil equals 1.72 gallons. (laughs) Because you will be making you this in a smaller doses, the amount of ingredients needed has been decreased to fit our needs in today's time. Also, fragrant calamus is not easy, an easy oil to come by. Some studies argue that it's a form of cannabis. And she has a link for more information on that. Because of this, you can substitute the calamus oil for clove oil, frankincense, CBD oil, or lemongrass. She says, I personally use whole cloves for my holy anointing oil. Okay, so that, those are the ingredients. So the prayer to consecrate the anointing oil or the anointing oil prayer is as follows. And everyone who is not Christian-based, feel free to adjust this uh, prayer as you see fit. You probably may even have your own prayer uh, for blessing uh, items such as anointing oil and uh, other holy things. Heavenly Father, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his blood, I consecrate, dedicate, and set apart this special oil for anointing and healing anyone for anything at any time For any Christian purposes, and again, you can substitute what you want in there. I would personally omit the Christian because I believe everyone, everyone should be able to be anointed. And I mean everyone. It's not just people, but animals and and whatever. Uh, According to your will. I do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, send the anointing power of the Holy Spirit to consecrate and bless this oil as holy anointing oil so that it may be effective in its use. In Jesus' name, amen. So, now on to how to use your holy oil at home. So, when using your anointing oil at home, it is important to remember that the power is not in the oil, but in the faith behind your prayers and ultimately your faith. In the blood of Jesus We've heard this folks Those of you who are long time listeners We know we've heard this how many times What about little St. Bernadette Remember with the water Coming from Fatima In Lourdes What did she say It's not the water It's your faith And that goes for each and everything And I beyond firmly believe this I mean I wholeheartedly Believe that It doesn't have any power if you don't have faith. You can make all the anointing oil you want. You can do all the blessings you want. But if your heart and faith are not in it, it's it falls short. Way, way short. It's like trying to take a dead 9-volt battery and putting it into your smoke detector and wondering why it's still chirping, giving the low battery signal or not working at all. You've got to do things fully charged. And those of you of the nature faced really know that. You've got to be fully charged in order to get the most bang for your buck, so to speak. So she continues. John tells us in John 14, 12, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We also see that in Luke 10, 19 that Jesus has given us the authority over the power of the enemy. Yes, you are more powerful than Satan. Um, Luke ten nineteen reads, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So what does all that mean, folks? That is her way of saying that you have the authority to anoint. Now, I know I just said, according to Roman Catholic faith, um, you do not. But this is probably more geared towards, um, you know, your Pentecostals, your Presbyterians, um, you know, other faiths other than Catholic faith. So she continues by saying, when you are anointing yourself or someone with your holy oil, remember these two truths and operate in the power that you hold, which is what I just read. Without faith, she says, here it is. Without faith, this is simply a nice glass bottle filled with olive oil and warm fragrances. On the other hand, with faith, this becomes a powerful tool for healing and anointing. Amen to that. I can't stress that enough. So now we get into do's and don'ts, how to make your own anointing oil at home. Do's for your DIY Holy Anointing Oil. Do store it in a cool, dark place at room temperature. This helps it to last longer. Keep it in a glass container with a top of your choice. Nothing plastic. Dropper is optional. Your Holy Anointing Oil needs to be treated as sacred, special, and only used for healing, consecration, and anointings. And the very same applies to your Holy Water. Um, or your things that you use to do a house cleansing or smudging of your home. You know, once you bless these things, we have to remember, these are sacred objects. Uh, Say you get a, a, a new beautiful statue of the Theotokos, and you either have a priest or bishop bless it or you bless it yourself. That becomes a holy object. Those of you who are Buddhists know that if you get a statue of the Buddha and you have it blessed, or a lot of times they'll come blessed with a a little uh, Bodhi seed, it's inside it. You can hear it when you you shake it, it jiggles inside. That's blessed, that's sacred. So you must treat these objects with the utmost respect. And this isn't idol worship. This is um, being respectful and showing your faith and your love and respect for your faith. So again, if you find that you, say, make holy water, and you decide, you know what, I no longer have any use for this, I'm not into this, yes, I did air quotes, not into this anymore, what do you do with it? Don't throw it. You, I, you could put it down the sink because it's going to go to whatever. I would take it outside, pour it on some plants, um. You know, what have you. I wouldn't give it to anyone to ingest or like an animal to ingest. Um, but I would, you know, just dump it in your plants or something like that. That way it can help, especially if you've got vegetables, like a vegetable garden. It'd be great to pour that holy water on it. It's not going to hurt anything. Um, depending on how much salt you put in it, uh, it, it might. But there's usually we don't put too much salt in the holy water. But the same thing with your anointing oil. Take it outside, pour it at the base of a tree or a bush or something like that. Um, if you find that you are no longer into, again, yeah, air quotes, it. <laughs> okay, so how now she gets into how to anoint yourself with holy oil. This is very simple. When anointing yourself or someone else with anointing oil, you want to do the following. Number one, she says, use your right hand. Read more about the biblical significance of the right hand. She has a link for that. Number two, get the holy oil and apply a cross on the forehead, directly on the skin. Number three, repeat I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three in one. Number four, proceed with your blessing or prayer. Number five, end your blessing or prayer with the words, In the name of Jesus. You can anoint other things besides a person with anointing oil, but it should not be used for any other use than for godly consecration of something or someone, healing and anointing for Christian. She's got that word, Christian purposes, but we just talked about that. Omit that, use it for whatever you feel holy, whatever your faith is, okay? And she says, for instance, I anointed my home with my first when I first moved in, and I repeat this blessing here and there for maintenance and deliverance. So she uses it as part of a house cleansing ritual that she does as well. Now, I would like to add that what I've learned through seminary is when you're doing an anointing um, of someone, say an anointing of the sick, um, that, yes, you do the the forehead, um, you know, you do the, the sign of the cross, but you also do it on their hand. Um, usually you can do it either on the palm of their hand open or on the top of their hand. Whatever is more comfortable uh, to the person. You know, of course, if they have you know some kind of muscular atrophy where they're you know in the last stages of dying where they're kind of curled up in a fetal position, their hands are usually curled in and under and balled and they're very tight. The muscles are extremely tight. So you don't want to pry open someone's hand uh, to put the holy oil in the palm of their hand. You can just put it on the top. You know, same thing. Do the sign of the cross. Recite the same thing. And, of course, with the Roman Catholic faith, there is an actual ritual for anointing the sick. And I have a really good PDF uh, document that I will put a link to in the show notes and description for anyone who is interested in doing it the Roman way. Okay. So what is my concoction? <laughs> that's that's about the best way to put it because you all who have listened long enough know that I'm a mutt. I like to be eclectic and I like to mix things. Um, so everything I'm going to be sharing here, I got on eBay and I will try my best to put links to it um, in the show notes. But those of you who purchase stuff from eBay know that Um, sometimes things are available and sometimes they're not available from the sellers. Uh, but I will at least if I, what I can't find the links for, I will list, uh, what I use that way. If you want to do another search and try to find it someplace else, you're more than welcome to do that. So first is spike Nard. It's all one word. S P I K E N A R D should sound familiar. Remember the, the. Girl with the alabaster jar, she had spike nard in it and anointed Jesus. Uh, Yeah, no, it's not Mary Magdalene. So we won't, (laughs) we've done shows on that. So we won't go down that pike. Uh, But what spike nard is, is, is actually from the honeysuckle plant or the honeysuckle family of plants. And it's grown and found in the mountainous regions of Tibet, Nepal, and India. And thus, the reason why it was so expensive in jerusalem in those areas in galilee and uh because you know it had to have been picked and processed and transported all of those miles uh either by donkey or by foot or by carriage um so thus it made it more expensive uh but the bottle that i have is you know it's a it's a fairly i don't remember exactly what the ounces is and i do apologize for that um it's not a big bottle. It's a, it's a smaller bottle, but it's it was $9 for that bottle. The next one I use, and these are all mixed together, is blessed olive oil with frankincense, and that was $8.06. All of these, by the way, are coming from Jerusalem. So know that when if you order from the seller that I did, which I highly recommend, um, they do a great job. It's just going to take about four weeks uh, or maybe a little more. To get to you because it's coming from the other side of the globe unless you live over in that area uh, the next ingredient I use is holy water from the Jordan River and that's the river that uh, Jesus was baptized in and the river that John the Baptist did all of his baptizing in and I have a bottle of that and that's eleven dollars and the next ingredient is anointing oil from Jerusalem and that was 850 for that I also add in some essential oil like frankincense and myrrh um, and just whatever I can get to splash in there. I have a a, a variety uh, of things. I also have some spikenard, um, um, like dried incense. So I'll put that in there. Oh, and also almost forgot um, dirt from the Holy Land of Jerusalem. I have a bag of that. Um, I don't recall how much that was. I think it was maybe $11. It was pretty cheap. I know. Who buys dirt (laughs) from another country? I do. I'm raising my hand. Yes, I bought dirt. So what I'll do is I take just a little bit, just a little, a pinch, barely a pinch of that holy soil from Jerusalem and put that in there. And what I do is um, Haven gets these awesome uh, amber a vials that have roller, like a metal roller top. And, um, you put the, you know, your, all of your oils in there and you put your little roller top on and you, you know, you shake it and get it all mixed together. And then it's very easy to anoint people with it. You just use it as a roller, like a roll on and you can anoint people that way. That way it makes it very easy. It's very simple. Um, you of course are more than welcome to put it on your finger Um, Dab it on your finger and then anoint however you want. But again, just another way, one of many ways of doing this. Just remember the old saying, folks, it's your motivation and intention behind it. Um, Or as the author of the article was saying, your faith. It's 100% your faith. You know, if your faith is in it, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. So this will be a good spot to take a small break. I want to insert an advertisement or advertisements, however you pronounce it in your country, uh, regarding the Oblates. So stay tuned. Sorry to interrupt the show, folks, but I do have a question for you really quick. Are you looking for something to help you with your faith? Are you searching for your faith? I have just a thing for you, it's called the Oblates of Perpetual Light. This is a group I have just created uh, that I am the director of, that its goal is to help others strengthen and deepen their faith, no matter what it is or isn't, and also to help those who are interested in discovering their faith, something that fits them. And it's also a community of people that love and respect everyone regardless of what their faith is or isn't, what their gender is or isn't, what their marital status is or isn't. There are just four things that go for the Oblates of Perpetual Light that are required. And if you go to the website, you can find those out. It's very easy and it's probably stuff you're already doing already. So. For more information on becoming an Oblate, and I have to say one thing real quick is the Oblates of Perpetual Light is a safe place. You are completely safe with the Oblates. No harm will come to you. Only love, support, and respect. So the website for the Oblates, please check that out first, is com forward slash Oblates dash Oblates. Or you can contact me at oblates.pl at gmail.com. And I'll have links to both of these in the show notes and descriptions. I hope to see you as an Oblate very soon. Okay, so we're back. Thanks for hanging in there, folks. I just want to make sure I get that... In there for those who aren't familiar with the oblates of perpetual light, we have plenty of room for everybody that would like to join. Don't be shy. Step right up, folks. It's it's a great place to be. It's a great thing, a great community, and it definitely helps you with your daily prayer, contemplation, and study. It's it's a it's a great thing. I can't recommend it enough. So what is going on with me? Yeah, I know we're <laughs> We're at that point, so you can either stop here or, <laughs> or continue to listen if you're interested. Uh, well, I actually got the week off last week uh, from seminary with Father Mike. We've been uh, going at it for pretty much nonstop for the past 10 months, so it was uh, very nice enough to bless me with a week off, which was great because it gave me time to do some personal study that I haven't had the time to do. So I picked up my copy of The Very First Bible by Marcion of Sinope, Homilies During Great Lent by St. Nectarius, and Inner Christianity, A Guide to the Esoteric Tradition by Richard Smalley. And I'll have links to those in the show notes for anybody that's listened to them. So, yeah, I, I grab a stack of books and and just dive in and and, you know, study and contemplate a little, from each um, During the same setting um, Because it, it, to me it's nice it, They're all related and, and all connected And it's important to see that In, in all of your sacred scriptures and, and texts and things of that nature uh, Prayer life is going great uh, You know, still doing The continuous prayer Or striving to be In a continuous state of prayer um, you know I always tell people uh, That Jesus prayer greatly helps uh, with that, um, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. A lot of people say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, or Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, it depends on, you know, how you want to, uh, use that prayer. I use the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And you just repeat that over and over and over again, either verbally or mentally. Uh, and it, you'll be surprised how quick it catches on in your mind and you, um, just catch yourself doing it and thinking it, reciting it in your head and in your hearts uh quite easily and quite often uh so that's the update as far as that goes um you know again, seminary's going great uh again, like I said, I was off last week um just finished up uh the study an eight week study, eight weeks folks of uh Ahmed Osman's Christianity and Ancient Egyptian Religion. And it is quite an advanced study. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way. That is a a warning or disclaimer. You've got to be very stable. Not stable. You've got to be very strong. You've got to be ironclad and unmovable in your faith to study that book because it will test you. It will test your faith. Um, Yeah. And you come out a better person, believe you me, if you can get through it, and um, you do. You come out a better person, and your faith is like super strong, like valerian steel strong, um, adamantium strong. Um, it's it's stronger than anything once you finish that study. So that is done. So um, it would be interesting to see what Father Mike has next for me to uh, tackle. But now on to the, the not-so-good news. And I'm not going to say much about this because it's still a very fresh wound. Um, and once it clots a little bit and a little bit of time passes, maybe next book nook I'll share some more. Um, but the uh, we went from me working towards uh, getting – ordained as a priest in the um, independent Catholic church. And that was going well, or at least we thought it was going well. And I say we as in Father Mike and me. We thought it was going well. And Father Mike, you know, probably two to three weeks ago, asked me if I would, if I feel that I would be ready to ordain on Easter Sunday. And that would be April 9th coming up April 9th of this year to which I elatedly said, yes, without a doubt, I'm, I'm ready. I'm lock loaded and ready. Um, but there were there was a turn and, you know, you've got to get Bishop approval to, to do this and it's gotta be through a Bishop. It's gotta be a Bishop or Archbishop that does it in, um, Father Mike found an archbishop, and I just needed to get uh, approval from his bishop, and this is nothing against that bishop, because the bishop doesn't, literally, doesn't know me from Adam. So, well, I guess I'm sharing more than I should be sharing. I don't know. I'll just keep going, I guess. Might as well. Um yeah, there's no sense in steering now, huh? The brakes are out. <laughs> a Strange Brew reference there, folks. If you're not familiar with the movie, check it out. Strange Brew is a, a cult classic and one of my family's favorite movies. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I got to talking with with the bishop. And I'm not using names. That's not important. Um, uh, but, you know, it, again, he doesn't know me from Adam. So... Um, he didn't know what I'd been studying. He was not familiar with what I've been studying when I shared it, um, and he said that you know I would need to first fill out an application for his um, diocese and submit a background check and then submit a questionnaire, um, answer some questions. And he said how it usually goes. And again, and I'm I'm not balking at any of this, and I'm not upset with any of this. I wish I'd have known it sooner. Yes. Uh, But I'm not faulting anyone for it. I mean, these are all good things that, you know, good steps in making sure that you just don't ordain anyone. And I've seen and met several priests who've just been ordained willy-nilly, who had absolutely no reason and still don't have any reason to be ordained, and even if bishops, I've met a bishop recently, which I'll get into here in a moment. Um, that should not be a bishop. He shouldn't even be a priest. It's it's ridiculous. But anyway, getting back to the story at hand, um, so this bishop was very, very nice, very loving, um, very honest, and I beyond appreciate and respect that. So, he told me what I would need to do is, you know, get that information in, get the application, get the questionnaire, get the background check. Um, Then it would have to go before a council. And normally you would physically go before a council and him, and they would ask you questions, and then you would answer questions, and then they would discern whether uh, you should be a candidate for uh, holy orders, also known as priestly ordination. Um, So, I don't live anywhere near them. They are in Washington state and I am in Kentucky. So that's a long ways to walk. Um, so that's not a go, but, um, there is a, an archbishop that's, uh, part of their diocese. It lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. So that's about an hour, 50 minutes, two hours away. It's, so it's doable. Uh, so that the plan was, is for us to get his permission. And then for me to either go up to Indianapolis or for the archbishop to come down from Indianapolis to me or meet somewhere in the middle and um, ordain me on Easter Sunday. Well, that's not going to happen because uh, the process is going to take a long time. Once my application is approved, then I would have to uh, do the necessary things that the bishop wants me to do. Uh, so he feels, or until he feels I'm ready, um, then I would have to be uh, ordained as a um, deacon. I would have to serve as a deacon for six months, a year, or longer, okay? And he's, again, I beyond appreciate and love his honesty. Through this whole thing he's telling me, we just got to speak on the phone as he's telling me there are no guarantees even if you get to this point there's no guarantees you're going to get to this point to the next point you know if you become a deacon there's no guarantees that I'm going to ordain you as a priest you know it's all based on you know his view or her whoever the bishop is uh, their view of you and where they feel you fit into their diocese, um, you know, he had asked me. say, I guess I might as well just tell the whole thing. Um, so he had asked me what you know my plans were, and I expressed that you know I greatly understand the caution behind ordination and not just ordaining everyone. And again, cited that I've met people who should not be. They should not be priests. They should not be bishops. Absolutely not. Have no reason to be other than they collect titles and they go around with a boosted ego and they have absolutely no clue uh, what their faith is and they are extremely um, prejudiced. They're bullies. Um, So I was explaining that to him and I said, you know, um, for me, the sacraments are extremely important. And for those of you who haven't, Gone to our YouTube channel. I just did a Ask Angel last week on um, on the sacraments, on the importance of the sacraments, at least to me. Um, so I, you know, explained the importance of the sacraments and that I would, you know, be using, you know, my um, anointing, holy orders of priest to go to the local hospital. Those of you who are long time listeners know this is going way back. Know that I, you know, it's a burning passion and desire for me to get involved uh, in some clergy form at my local hospital. And yes, it is a Catholic, a Roman Catholic hospital. So he was saying to me that I would not be accepted, even if I was ordained a priest. Um, received my holy orders, they would not accept me. And that I have to disagree with because I've been to the hospital many times, um, unfortunately, and I have seen, um, you know, just recently saw a Presbyterian minister come in in dirty jeans, work boots, and a flannel shirt with no credentials, and he was more than welcomed with his King James version in his hand. He was more than and I'm not knocking the King James version at all folks. And I'm not knocking presbyterians or how he was dressed. I'm just saying when I go to visit someone in the hospital, I have my cassock on or I have my I always have my collar on. You know, I am 1 million percent professional and you know, I am there 110% as a minister and a representative of the holy trinity. Um so I was again sharing that with this bishop and he was like, you know, now they're not going to they're not going to accept you. Which I folks, you know me by now, those of you who are long-time listeners, you think they would accept me. Feel free to comment. Feel free to let me know. I feel that I could win them over, you know. They don't have many people as far as clergy goes. And as long as I'm not going against them, or starting a schism, or turning people away from their faith, um, I wholeheartedly believe and know that they would accept me and allow me to come in and visit with the sick. So that's my whole thing is uh, you know becoming a priest. It would allow me to give me the blessing to administer the sacraments, you know, the Holy Eucharist, um, confession. Those who want to confess. Um, as we just talked about the you know unholy anointing of the sick, I would be able to administer that sacrament um, as well as anything else that is needed by anyone, regardless of their faith, what it is or what it isn't. Um, so that was my goal. but anyway, you know, again he was like, you know, you're gonna have to be a deacon for six months a year or longer. Again, nothing's guaranteed. And again, folks, I get it. I'm not sour. I'm not upset with him. I'm upset, yes, because I'm disappointed. Um, You know, when you set yourself on, uh, you know, which, again, there's my problem. I, I set myself up for this by, you know, in my heart, putting down my guard and relaxing and saying, oh, this is awesome. The goal is insight, you know, and then I'll be ordained and then be on to the next, you know, be able to help people more, do things more for people. Um, but again, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, so what did I do? I tapped out. So <laughs> yeah, I, I graciously bowed out. I thanked him for his time and for, you know, being honest in uh, for the love and everything. But, you know, those of you, well, really, none of us know how much time we have in this life, and those of you out there that are listening that have heart failure know that, um, or any kind of uh, debilitating um, onset disease knows that um, time is extremely precious, and I mean, that goes without saying to anyone of any health, but especially those of us who don't know, you know, like I explained to him or tried to explain to him is that, um, you know, I was not supposed to survive the heart surgery that I had. Um, but I did. And, you know, I've been given two to five years, I mean, excuse me, five to 10 years to live. Um, and I'm already two and a half years into that. So, you know, you're doing the math at home. That's three and a half to what, seven and a half years. Um, according to doctors, but you know, I, definitely plan on proving them wrong, but I don't want to spend, <clears throat> excuse me, Um, you know, say, for example, two years, uh, our year getting up to a deacon level and then another year and a half to two years as a deacon, we're talking three more years um, to have no guarantee of becoming a priest or be, not even any guarantee of me still being here in this life. So, you know, time is of the utmost to me and uh, time is extremely precious and I value, greatly value each and every moment of each and every day. Um, and I highly recommend to everyone, regardless of what your health condition is or isn't, to to do the same because none of us really know, but those of us who have been given a heads up have an opportunity to embrace each and every moment and make the most out of it. So that's exactly what I've been doing since June 30th of 2020 um, since my surgery. So yeah, I mean, those of you who are long time listeners already know the story. Yeah. You know? um, but so, yeah, I, I, you know, I thanked him and, and, and tapped out, bowed out. Um, um, so that's, Pretty much the end of that. So, yeah. Um, again, <clears throat> I know I keep talking circles, but I don't fault anyone for it. Um, yes, I'm uh, disappointed. And, yeah, it hurts. Stings, it burns. Yeah. But uh, we'll be fine. We'll just continue doing what we're doing. You know, that's that's the next question. How does it affect you guys? It doesn't. You know, things will continue to be as they are. And... The show's going to keep rolling right along. And um, regardless, I don't need to be a priest to, to do the show. Um, in fact, you know, when I do uh, ordain, and notice I did say when, when I do receive my holy orders, things may change uh, because, you know, right now I have the freedom uh, being independent, um, non denominational, on my own. Uh, I have the freedom to talk about whatever I want to talk about here on the show. Um, When I become a priest, that changes because I will need to, if I believe it's something controversial or could be construed or taken as controversial, I'll need to consult with my bishop before I do the show. And yeah, so that could change things. So maybe that's not a good thing. I don't know. We'll see when and or if we get to that point. But until then, folks, just keep hanging on to your seats, keep tuning in, and keep enjoying, and and we'll keep them coming. So that about sums it up, folks. That should do it for uh, January Book Nook uh, 2023. Again, Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Know that each and every one of you are in my heart, thoughts, and prayers. Speaking of prayers, if you are in need of prayers, please don't hesitate to reach out, you know, My contact information is coming up here in just a moment. Uh, We'll do a closing um, blessing, and then I'll let you guys get on out of here. Again, infinite thanks, blessings, and love for tuning in, for staying tuned in. And for those small little demographic of you all who tune into the Book Nook each month and enjoy it, I bow deeply to each and every one of you, and thank you all so very much. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. What about the uh, bishop that put a hex on me? <laughs> I'm going to be doing a show on that, folks, so stay tuned. It's coming up, not too far down the line, just a couple episodes. Stay tuned for the episode of The Bishop That Put a Hex and a Curse on Me. In nominee, Divi Filii Spiritus Sancti. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may the divine hold you, bless you, and keep you. Amen. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you've been searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, and more here with us. Don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. Um, A link can always be found in the show notes and show description. Now, I know some people like to do that, that that helps them feel as, you know, they're contributing and doing something. And this is the best way because some people have asked me about setting up a Patreon. And I'm completely against that. I don't want to accept any kind of money for anything I'm doing here. Jesus didn't do it. Buddha didn't do it. I didn't do it before when I taught uh, Buddhism and Eastern philosophy for four years. Um, but I will accept books. So I do have a list. Uh, on that wish list for the show, that you can, if you feel compelled to and you have the means, please don't take from your grocery money or your bill money or from just life money. If you have it and you want to make an offering, then go to the wish list and do so. I would be beyond grateful and appreciative. And by purchasing books and sending them to me, what you're doing is. You're helping me educate myself so I can then pass that education on to all of you. And that also sparks and creates and inspires more and more shows. So it's a gift that keeps giving that's never ending. I'm always open to questions and suggestions. Um, as I always say, there's it's always like crickets in my mailbox. <laughs> I don't hear much from anybody, but you know, unless it's family and there's nothing wrong with that. But I know there are so, so many of you all over the world that are listening and I completely understand and I respect your privacy and I respect that you're quiet. Um, and, but I do want you all to know that I'm here for you all the time. And uh, again, speaking of suggestions, I mean, I know there are so many amazing angels and saints past and present in your community, in your country. Could even be you that the world doesn't know about, but by gosh, we should know about. Um, Could be some that have come and gone that are fading from memories and hearts. And we tend to, you know, shine the light on a lot of those here in the show. And that's kind of one of the goals of this show is to make sure these beings stay alive because they are such amazing, truly amazing. Um, It's tragic for someone, anyone really, to be their memory, to be lost, uh, their life to be lost. And we don't want that. So, again, please, please, please feel free to contact me, share these people with me, even if it's you. Please get with me, share with me so I can share with the world. Remember, you don't have to be alone on your spiritual journey. Again, I'm always here for all of you. I'm always available to help guide, uh, offer advice. Uh, You can always email me directly or contact me through the website. My services are ever growing and expanding as the Spirit takes me And as you all need and the cost of these services or all services I provide is absolutely zero absolutely free I'm here for you guys next is prayers Uh, you guys always hear me say this and you always will I love to pray and so do listeners of the show so please let us pray for you so All of these services, how do you make it happen? By contacting me and how can you do that? There's two ways you can do that. First, you can email me directly at faithandmorepodcast, all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. And the second way is through the website. There's a contact button on the website where you can email me or you can fill out the prayer request form at the bottom of the web page. You can also use that form for also asking for help, for guidance, for suggestions, for advice. Use that as well. It's a it's a catch-all form. Use it as you need it. So, in order to find the website, you go to Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word: Faith and More Site slash my dash site s i t e And there's always links to my contact information, email, and the website in all of our show notes and show descriptions. So, until next week, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you is in my heart, in prayers. Bless you.